Welcome to Ultra Life Today. We're here in the Ultra Botanica studios on a very rainy day in Oklahoma City. I'm sitting here with Adam Payne, the CEO of Ultra Botanica. I'm Josh Bellew, Chief Product Evangelist, and we have a very special guest, Dr. Charles Gant. I'm going to give either Adam or Charles an opportunity to uh, don't read your whole CV because we don't have all day, Dr. Gant. (laughs) But but anyway, to uh, introduce yourself and say a little bit about yourself, please. Welcome, Dr. Gant. Yes, thank you. I've completed my fifth decade of practicing medicine, so I'm kind of an old guy and have seen it all. From the beginning, I was suspicious about descriptive medicine, where you make a diagnosis and you throw a drug at somebody, which is still the, the main paradigm that is used in healthcare. And my whole life has been about gradually coming to uh, a logical uh, approach to this devastation that healthcare causes to people, and I have I am practicing causal medicine, where we want to find the root causes of why people are sick, and we can do that through testing. Uh, I do I do a wide array of genetic tests. I use conventional lab core testing, maybe 200 variables there, and I do a lot of functional testing, amino acids, fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, and so forth. By the time I do my first assessment on a patient, um, I pretty much have a biochemical picture, toxicological, immunological picture of exactly why they have symptoms. Mm. So I'm not content with just saying, oh, here's some stupid descriptive diagnosis like GERD, you know, or irritable or depression, and here, take this drug and see what happens and then come back and see me. Of course, I don't practice that way. You know, you. you I'm very, very um, grateful to know Ultra Botanica, who has such a marvelous line of these healing products that are just so good, and uh, they've helped my patients dramatically. It's interesting to me because Adam and I have spoken to so many different MDs, and generally, if they've come from that conventional paradigm, there's some epiphany or event that kind of shifts them onto the road. And it sounds to me like you mm-hmm. said, almost from the get-go, you were inquisitive yes. about questioning the conventional paradigm. That's fascinating. Uh, do you yes. Well, I, I went to medical school because I had a choice of going to medical school or Vietnam oh at the time. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go to medical school at first, you know. Uh, but I said, this is such a, an expansive potential career that I'll, eventually I'll find my way. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I was a, you know, a duck out of water uh, from right from the beginning. Wow. And so I had my eye on the stupidity of uh, cut, burn, and poison medicine. You cut with surgery, you burn with radiation, or you poison with drugs. I had my eye on that from the beginning as being utterly irrational, uh, but I knew I had to, you know, I had to pass these courses or right away I was I was off to Vietnam. So, um, and then later, of course, I wasn't a draft dodger because later I joined the public health service to pay for my medical school, uh, 
and I spent two years as as a, in the public health service. So I'm officially, they tell me I'm a major. Of, <laughs> I went from captain to major, so I'm actually, you know. Well, we're saluting a, on this a, end. Yeah, thank you for your <laughs> service, Okay, Dr. there you go. Thank you for your service. <laughs> so, Doc, I got, a, I got a question that's kind of churning in my gut here. This is Adam. Um, was there a seminal kind of event that happened in your life that made you suspicious of convention? The just, oh, symptom, yeah. treat, you know, DSM, uh, let's give you your diagnosis. Here's the uh, the drug that we use for this particular diagnosis. Was there right. any, was, w- was there an event that happened that made you, that kind of confirmed your suspicion? Well, there's a bunch of them. Uh, one big one was I was listening to a dermatology lecture and the dermatologist said, uh, I'm in, this, in the room with like two or three hundred medical students. And he said, every human being has the same concentration of melanocytes. These are the cells that produce pigment in the skin. Yeah. In any part of the body, like the tops of our shoulders, the tops of our heads, there's more concentration. But from the whitest white albino to the blackest black, there's exactly the same number of melanocytes, the cells that produce melanin. You know, oh, the pigment in our skin. Yeah. The pigment on our skin. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, my God, you know, this whole thing about racism and different races and all it's a, it's a bunch of baloney because every human being has exactly the same number of melanocytes in any part of their body. We are only one race. Right. Okay? So, so that, that kind of profound. that 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 kind of that I could see you bouncing in your seat as a young medical student. Going, oh, I went into the break room and I went from medical student to medical student. And I said, holy shit, did you hear that? That's the end of racism. We should be promoting that we are one race of human beings. And every medical student, everyone I talked to said, what? Don't worry about that. It's not going to be on the test. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, oh, well, Lord. Were you, so what? Like, that's, boy, that's a different mindset. Oh, it's not on the test. We don't really care about that. Wow. We love your heart motivations on this end. That's amazing. Right oh. over their heads. Oh, wow. And I'm said, well, I'm a bunch, I, I just have, you know, I, I'm just in in a room here with uh, completely unconscious human beings. Interesting. You know, so, uh, so, are, the, so consciousness and, and human, uh, that's a whole rabbit hole we could go, I'd love to explore later. And you actually mm-hmm. do explore consciousness in your practice uh, through a concept called mindfulness, which I think is just fascinating. Yes, I mindfulness. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I want to get into that later in one of our later segments because it has sure. to do with your approach to pain management and uh, and the yes. whole and how our brains have evolved into different into it uh, the different parts of the brain. In fact, you have a book called yes. uh, Your Godly Brain where you talk dramatically about um, these different parts of the brain, how they fight for their own way, as it were, and how well basically five sixths of our brain is the animal brain our thoughts feelings and behaviors uh, which is competitive outperforming everybody else survival brain but this one sixth of our brain the prefrontal cortex the most evolved part is the part where we care for one another compassion hmm. so it overrides this animal brain that is 
out to screw everybody. It can right, to get ahead. It, it can right, yeah. and if we let it, uh, if we let that part of us, I guess, grow and have and integrate into. Yeah, our well, being. that's the, that's the thing. We have to we have to nurture this this part of. And we don't we get a certain function from birth on, but it it doesn't uh, function to its anywhere near its peak effect without a spiritual development that must happen to to bring it out from the background. Yeah. But yeah. it is our highest associated part of our brain and it overrides our thoughts, which any meditator can see. Yeah. You know, like the minute I come into the present moment, my thinking brain shuts up and there's a, yeah. there's a quiet that happens. There's a whole zet, there's a, the whole Buddhist approach is, you know, quieting your thoughts, right? So that you can actually Yeah, be, well be it's in inherent in all religions. So yeah, yeah. If you look at if you read any from Christian to Hindu to Muslim, it's really there. They just take different approaches to developing this this consciousness that is neurological. NIH, I'm I'm right here in Washington, right next to the National Institutes of Health, and they have shown that the prefrontal cortex does that. Yeah, we'll we'll get so, back to this whole concept of the yeah. brain in one of our later segments here. But I just sure. wanted to wrap up kind of your history. So, Doc, how did you get to the National Integrative Health Associates? How long have you been practicing there, and and what was what was your path to get there? Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I think 20 years ago, more, more than 20 years ago, I was licensed in New York State, which is the, the most medically fascist state there is. And so the health department launched an attack on my license. What? And I did have my license suspended for about six months. And then I was put on probation for five years. I won the case. I mean, we cut them to pieces. What were they? I'm just curious. What were they attacking you about? Oh, they picked, they, they pulled 10 charts and they uh, proceeded to say, oh, you didn't dot this I and you didn't put a date there and uh, you didn't sign that form. Say, it's all just paperwork stuff that they then said, you're, uh, you need to be put on, pro eventually, you need to be put on probation to learn how to do your paperwork right. Oh my gosh. And so they suspended my license for six months, which was, which was enough time to basically destroy my private practice. That's terrible. All my patients went away. And then I had to, I could only practice if I was being supervised. Well, this sounds like doctor. some other doctor was maliciously trying, just attacking you and, and trying to report you somehow, or some group of people. Was that the case? Uh, I found out, yeah. Later, I found out that there it was the psyche, a few psychiatrists, because I have was always battling with psychiatrists. I was medical director of a drug and alcohol facility before that, and the pain manager, but I would discharge a patient, get them sober, and they could be going to AA, and then they would go back to their pain management doctor and get on opioids, or they'd go back to their psychiatrist and get drugged up with all kinds of drugs. And before I knew it, they'd be back in treatment. They'd be they'd be all hooked again, and I'd have to detox them and so forth. So for years, I was battling these druggers out there who were just intent on filling people with psychotropic drugs. Right. So I, you know, it's it was inevitable that some of them would make formal complaints to the health department, and they would then the Nazis would would start to get to work and uh, say, how are we going to get this guy? That, thus, the, the the New York fascist medical state, right? I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. On that, but that that opened the door for you to make a transition to Washington D.C. Yeah, I so guess. I came to, I came down here two weeks after I was I was my license was suspended. 
I enacted my naturopathic degree. So I'm an I, I'm also an ND. That's cool. And I was allowed to practice in Washington D.C., which is this you know uh, multinational community here. And believe it or not, Marion Barry, the famous ex-mayor of Washington D.C., loved alternative medicine, and he put all these <laughs> rules into effect that you've got to protect these alternative doctors because they're the future of medicine. That's that's a beautiful thing. I guess. Yeah. I mean, before his addictions got the better. Yeah. Of him. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what a and what so an interesting man. I came man. down. I practiced in Washington. I commuted from New York. I would come down here for a week, then go back to New York for a week. Uh, I did that for a couple of years and established my practice as a naturopath and doctors. The MDs in the National Integrated Health Association were very nice about signing off on whatever I prescribed and so forth. So they were, even though I was a licensed ND, uh, there were certain things the MDs could do that I wasn't allowed to do. So they were very good at just, and, and then when they realized, you know, the books I'd written and the research I'd done, they were like, we're just glad to have you here, you know. Yeah. And so they were very, very nice about, about all that. Okay, we are about to go to break now. You're listening to Ultra Life Today. That's Dr. Charles Gant. I'm Josh Bell. You're sitting here with Adam Payne in the Ultra Botanica Studios. This is Ultra Life Today, and we will be right back. Our mission is to take nature's most beloved botanicals and enhance them with our liquid protein scaffold technology. This helps it reach your cells faster and better. With exponentially enhanced bioavailability, you'll feel better every day. Ultra Botanica, the feel-good curcumin. Get yours today at ultratoday.com. Welcome back to Ultra Life Today. We're uh, interviewing a fascinating MD, naturopathic doctor, PhD researcher named Dr. Charles Gant. I'm sitting here with Adam Payne, the CEO of Ultra Botanica. I'm Josh Bell, your chief product evangelist. I would love to ask a question, Adam, that may lead us into this next segment here. Sure. You know, Charlie, years and years ago, I began to get fascinated with amino acids. And then one day, I was a friend handed me a book to read and the book blew my mind and then I'm in Adam's office one day and he's talking to someone on the phone and I had just finished reading the book about three or four days before this and I'm hearing all these very familiar things coming out of the phone with Adam and so when he hung up the phone call I said who was that and he goes ah that's Charlie Gant we're friends I go you are kidding me I just read one of his books and it is the most incredible case study I've ever seen on utilizing amino acids to be able to balance brain chemistry among individuals dealing with addictions. And so how in the world did you begin to learn how to utilize primarily amino acids and, and, and other supplements to be able to help individuals have healthy brain chemistry? That I'm just, I've never heard you tell me that. Yeah, well, it evolved and then I was medical director at the Tolly Hill Hospital 60-bed rehabilitation drug and alcohol 
and I was able to put those protocols. They they said, well, we don't understand this, but you know, you seem like a good doctor and you really care, so go ahead. And so I launched into those treatments and developed them, treating drug and alcohol addicted people. And then that led to the public publishing of the book End Your Addiction Now, yep. uh, 10 years later, which is the, maybe that was the book you were. It was reading, the I don't book. Know. Yeah. And by the way, I, if you wrote that or you had a ghostwriter, one of the best layman's books I've ever, for our audience, if you have anyone <clears throat> that is dealing with an addiction, Dr. Charles Gant, End Your Addiction Now. It's available on Amazon and other places. Um, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, I did have a very good writer help me. His name's Greg Lewis, and he's on the cover as like a co-author. Mm. Uh, so he was very helpful in trying to make this. Because I, I, when I start writing, I get too technical, and then he says, no, no, no. Imagine that. <laughs> we, we have to. So, Charlie, so Dr. Gant, what is what happens to somebody's brain when they decide to abstain from opiates or methamphetamines or alcohol or cocaine? What happens in the brain and what drives the addictive behavior? Because there's all there's different parts of the brain, right? There's the reptilian yeah. brain. There's the, I guess, the mammalian brain, the stinker thinker, the <laughs> monkey brain. And then there's our, pre, our prefrontal cortex. Um, but and they all, I guess, there's uh, you call it a crisis. But what really is happening there in in somebody's yeah. brain when when well, it, when it, abstention? It, it all begins way back in evolution. Plants learn uh, who we we eat. Animals eat plants. Plants can't run away from us, so they had to develop a chemical defense, hmm. and that's where opioids and the dopamine agonists like amphetamines, stimulants. There are, are uh, plant substances that influence GABA, the brain's natural Valium, 5-HTP, the brain's natural Prozac or serotonin. So plants learn through trial and error how to manipulate the brains of animals, which were their predators. And by putting those chemicals in the brains of animals, they generally lose their appetite or they get so confused or dizzy or fall asleep that the plant has a chance to survive. Then fast forward a few hundred million years and here comes these smart anthropoid creatures, uh, these clever uh, monkey-like creatures, and they figure out that certain plants have these interesting psychotropic effects. <laughs> right. Yeah. These curious Georges, you know? And so they so they figure out that we can use those chemicals, those drugs, to enhance certain uh, features about our consciousness. And so the use of drugs goes way, way back. So here we come forward into more modern technology, modern farming, and now it becomes big business. These, these, the, the marketing of these chemicals through drug companies, through the alcohol, tobacco industry, through the underworld cartel in China, and South America are pumping chemicals through our southern border. It's big business now. Um, it's just huge cartels and so forth. And so these substances simply mimic our natural stress hormones. That's all. Mm. So we have 
these natural stress hormones that are supposed to be used to, to help us cope with life, and these chemicals take their place. So the brain physiology simply adapts to them. So if I take an amphetamine, then my brain stops making dopamine, which is my natural amphetamine, mm. which is made from tyrosine, which is one of the amino acids. The brain will adapt because it doesn't want too much of a drug effect. And so the more I use the drug, the less of the natural neurotransmitter I make, the less of the natural neurotransmitter I make, the worse I feel. So I got to use more of the drug to just even to feel normal. And little by little, an addiction occurs so that the brain is just doesn't even make any neurotransmitter of that type. And I am totally dependent on the chemical just to feel normal, just to feel, you know, yeah, I, I've heard addicts functional. talk about this like they are dope sick and they and they they emphatically share with us. So I've, I know some people that have been addicted to chemicals Yeah, and, you know, myself, Terrible. I've dealt with some, some things in my life and they say, look, I'm not trying to get high. I'm just trying to not be sick. And so, it, exactly. so this is a neuro. It's hard to make the, it's hard to make the distinction though. Say. Right. Right. And it's a very tricky, very clever. So that's why the NAA, they tell, they tell people that this is baffling and cunning yeah. they, and you have to rely on the loving support of others in order to make a recovery and get back those loving neurotransmitters the way they're supposed to come back. So this is a neurotransmitter crisis when somebody takes yes. the chemicals out of their life. And your, yes. your approach, you know, a, a conventional, I guess, addiction management is sedate people while they're going through the neurotransmitter crisis. It's, I guess it's Oh, they want to capture market share. They see the Colombian cartel or China uh, say Sending in their fentanyl, they they want to capture market share. The drug companies do, so they they say we're legal, and they're not. So they train doctors say to say use our addictive drugs. Oh, interesting. See, that's all it is is capturing market share. And so so this is the, so this is buprenorphine and the other one, yes. the long acting well, fentanyl, and but the, even the old opioids. I mean, the opi opioid wars go back two hundred years to China. Hmm. You know, when Britain needed a commodity to exchange with with uh, China, and so they they got the, all the opioid thing going. So China so, didn't need anything until opium was imported, essentially. Well, it was it was a commodity. So the opium dens, a doctor comes along and says, "Oh, geez, now we're creating opium addicts." So he extracted the morphine out of the opium t to treat the patients for opium addiction. Now you have morphine addiction right and so a doctor comes along and says well let's hydroxylate the morphine a little bit and we'll make it into heroin and so we'll treat the morphine addiction with heroin so it, what, what is the solution then for an opioid dependent brain what what really is yeah, going it's very on? simple there's two enkephalins which is the backbone of the endorphin and they're made of five amino acids. There's two types, glycine, tyrosine, phenylalanine, and then there's leucine or methionine. So the two types, they're exactly the same, except one has methionine and the other one has leucine. So it's called met-enkephalin and lu-enkephalin. Oh, for types. methionine, 
enkephalin and leucine enkephalin. Uh, that's exactly. amazing. And so when you're talking about amino acids for our listeners, amino acids are essentially the building blocks of pro of peptides, and peptides are the building blocks Peptide of protein. Peptides everything. Right. So the oh, amino acids are not drugs. They are essentially the basic building blocks of life. The, I call them Legos. I call them the Legos that our body needs in order to make anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. One of the things that really fascinated me, Dr. Gant, when I was reading the book is because I myself have, have struggled with addiction in my past. Uh, Adam as well here. We're very open about that. And it's it's it was so unusual to me because I've seen so many people, and this was me many years ago. I was, I've, I've always been an all or nothing kind of guy. And what was so interesting to me in the book is as I saw you interacting with your patients, obviously these were anonymous case studies, but actual patients of yours, you were never badgering them to try to quit, to work harder, to really make up your mind and just tough it out and gut it out. I was yeah, reading these no, case studies no. and it was like, this is so fascinating because he says, I, I kind of remember one of them where it was kind of like you said, now, I don't want you to worry about that three martinis that you normally like to have after work at night. I just want you to begin to utilize these amino acids and a couple of these other supplements right. and we'll see you in three weeks and we'll see how you're doing then. And then the individual came back and said, it is so strange, Dr. Gant, but the craving and the desire, even the thought in my mind to want to go to that exactly. is just diminishing. And I just thought that yeah, is exactly. so fascinating. When you, delivered when you deliver these aminos intravenously, the patients look at you suspiciously like, I'm not supposed to feel this good. What's going on? Oh, wow. That's amazing. You're ramming them into the brain, and the brain goes, yes, we have methionine, finally. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and somewhere, I think we're also going, wait a minute. I think I remember feeling this way when I was younger and didn't exactly. didn't have any chemical. This is the way I'm right. supposed to feel, right? Dr. Gant, we make a product called Endolift that is essentially those six amino acids, the leucine and... Well, the, sixth one, the sixth one's very important. D-phenylalanine, almost all amino acids are levo. They're rotated to the left. Yes. But there are a few that are rotated to the right, dextro. And D-phenylalanine inhibits the enzyme, which breaks down the enkephalins. Very important. Oh. So that way, we synthesize them, and then you can't break them down because of D-phenylalanine. And the person is left with lots of enkephalins right there that are supporting them. So that, that actually helps to support some somebody that is uh, dealing with this crisis uh, without having to uh, to resort to other things that were, um, I guess, a little more intensely replacing those uh, those yes. pathways. All right, we're going to go to break. Um, if you're uh, listening from Tulsa, we will be back next week with Dr. Gant. Stay tuned for our live broadcast. Endolift is our new brain activity support supplement. It was invented by a doctor, PhD, MD, a guy named Charles Gant out of Washington, D.C., who wrote the book, Your Godly Brain and How to Endure Addiction Now. He's an amazing scientist and researcher. Endolift is a combination of six amino acids. Each one is a building block for different neurotransmitters that you use in your brain. We used to think that the way that neurotransmitters were built in your brain was dependent upon the speed of the enzymes that were in your brain. We've learned something new recently. 
and that is your brain will rebuild neurotransmitters as quickly as you provide the building blocks for those neurotransmitters. Endolift is six amino acids that are the precursors for your endorphin system and partially for your dopamine system in your brain. This is especially important for people that are in recovery, people that are dealing with a lot of stress, people in general that want to have a more tranquil and peaceful outlook on life. Do your brain a favor, try Endolift today. It really will have an amazing impact on your outlook in life.